You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Chris. I'm Debbie, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. It was one of my best and worst moments. Upon reading Jim Daly's book, The White Coat Investor, I realized that I was financially independent. I could leave my tiresome job and never work again. My urge to jump up and down and celebrate lasted all of a moment, and then I had a panic attack. I had spent so much time worrying about money because it was easier and less stressful than trying to divine a sense of purpose in life. Financial independence for me was a mirror, and it reflected back a whole bunch of nothing. I had no idea what a realistic sense of meaning was. I had no true north. Was it a surprise then that I was walking in circles? Are you right now walking in circles in your life? Chris and Debbie Emick are co-hosts of the Go Bucket Yourself podcast, where they, along with their guests, share tales that will inspire you to leap from your ho-hum everyday life into a more purpose-filled and adventurous one. Chris and Debbie, welcome to Earn and Invest. Chris, let's start with you. It sounds like you guys have the perfect lives, right? You had kids, you had each other, there were even dogs, you had good paychecks. What were you missing that led you on this initial journey? What I was missing was was that sense of adventure. Like I had felt, my mind had told me that life was good. I had accomplished and was accomplishing all of the things that every person that I knew, every mentor that I had, I marked in the successful category, the successful camp. I was achieving those things or I had achieved those things. So I was, I was ticking off the boxes. And as a type A person, I like to tick off boxes. Each box ticked began to feel less and less meaningful. And I started to become more aware of other people that were living lives that maybe I had not called successful before, but looked very either fun or exciting or just like when I'm a grandparent, like I would love to tell this story to my grandkids someday. That sounded a lot more fun than maybe the 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 eight to five that I was living. I had found a lot of meaning and purpose in my job, but I was starting to become a little more irritated. And then once I discovered there is a path out of this, that irritation just would not let me sink back to to what I was was currently doing. Debbie, were you and Chris in sync on this idea or did one of you get there faster than the other? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that I arrived at this place of realizing I didn't have like my own inner truth and a sense of agency that came from that based on this life that we had built. And because of health reasons, I think I sort of began to arrive there um, a little bit sooner. Right. And because of Chris's job, honestly, I could leave my job due to those health reasons, which just helped me begin to do like the deeper work of this purpose that you alluded to in your story in the beginning, perhaps a little bit before him and before he arrived at a place where he felt that he also needed to take back his sense of agency over his life. Debbie, talk about the role of fear, because there's nothing like a health problem to make you get over your fear of accomplishing things, right? Because I think fear is a big thing that holds us back. Did this health problem really kind of make you change your ideas about what you were fearful and not fearful to do? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I think when health issues first arrive, at least for me, there is an overwhelming sense of fear because there is an overwhelming sense of unknown And you're also told all of the most fearful things that can come of you, your body because of this, right? And so I think, to be completely honest, in the beginning, there was just so much fear that perhaps there was like 
a, a lack of movement or a lack of action. And then something else takes over, I think, where it's like, ah, I think everything's going to be okay as long as I begin to live my life on my terms. This fear of like, how long will I live? How long will I be around kind of goes away. And it it is empowering to know, like, I get to take control of my life, what my life looks like. And so it is a shortcut, right? Into getting past this, like, we need to live life by what society tells us to. And and it's a shortcut maybe to the deeper truth of like, oh, actually, I get to decide what's important to me and what my life looks like. Chris, let's talk about fear with you, too. It seems like most people who I deal with who are walking the same path you are, at some point, they have fear about living an authentic life, and then they find the permission to get past that fear. Maybe with Debbie, it was coming face-to-face with this health issue. Talk about what helped you come face-to-face with this fear, and, and specifically, did the Financial Independence Retire Early movement play a role in that? It, it did and it didn't. So coming face-to-face with that fear, you know, I just, I just started to recognize there was there were just a lot of questions that that i could not see being answered if i stayed in my traditional my pr- traditional role and i'm a very fearful person i'm a very risk averse person i like to take the safe and steady approach and that's probably how we got to a place where we had a pretty good financial footing well into our 20s and 30s to where it was not too much of a of a pivot to learn how to just bring in the investing piece through real estate and primarily through real estate that helped us to get to the retire early piece. So yeah, I think it, it was just this, this yearning for something different that I just could not see. Like when I looked, and this, this may sound a little crass, but when I looked at the people that had been at this job for so many years, or I looked at people in just traditional employment that I was, I was familiar with, I, I saw a lot of people that I didn't really feel like either had that level of authenticity that I wanted. They didn't have those answers of like, what are you passionate about? Or what would you do if, you know, what would you do fill in the blank type questions? Though Their answers seemed very dry. And it's like, I just wanted, I didn't want that. I didn't want to, to die not being able to, to, to answer those questions of why, you know, what did living mean to me? Or what, who was the authentic Chris you know, that, that I was put on this earth, you know, to be, whether you feel like that in a spiritual way or whether you feel like that in just a, a way of, of, I'm a human animal, you know, going about my business. And so I'm not sure if I, I tagged onto that. Yeah. I mean, just to maybe tease out that idea of fear a little bit, I think that what happens is there's like this very strong desire to live a deeper life that's more authentically aligned, right? And then all these what ifs come. Like, what if we don't have enough cash flow? What if our houses sit vacant? What if we don't have enough in the stock market or the stock market drops and we lose everything? And so I think like holding that up against my health issues, I just felt like maybe I had to confront those deepest what ifs earlier, right? Like, what if I die tomorrow? Well, that was a question I had to answer. And so it made for me all those other what ifs seem a little bit like, I don't know, I'll go get a job as a barista, you know, no big deal. Whereas I think, Chris, you still had those what ifs and acted in spite of them. It was like the what ifs were there, the fear was there, and you took steps toward building the life you wanted to anyway, knowing that the fear was there, but you, you allowed it to be there and you just kept taking small action. Yeah. The, the fear was my constant companion. Uh, thankfully, I'd read some books that taught me a little bit about how to, how to handle with fear, how to understand fear and how to, how to compartmentalize the fear and not just let the, the fear voice be the dominant voice. Like There was one book I read where it was almost like, Picture yourself on a road trip. Fear is always going to be in the car, but you never put them up front. You never let them touch the the radio dials. You never let them touch the steering wheels. You sure as hell don't let them touch the gas or the brake. You know they're just in the back. They're going to let you know that you probably should make a left here, or or they're going to try to guide you from from time to time. So fear was that constant companion, 
And I just learned to to somehow befriend that fear and understand that a little bit better. And that helped in some cases, but it's still it still gets the best of me, you know, three years into surviving, you know, without a W-2 job. Uh, it, it still will show up one day where it's just like everything's gonna, you know, go bad today. Like it's today's the day. Today's the day where everyone that that said that that this was a dumb idea, which no one ever actually said that to my face. Um, but that's that's the fear voice speaking is people are going to like laugh at you or make fun of you or they're going to think what kind of father, what kind of husband, what kind of this type of person would do these these irresponsible things like leave a good job and leave a steady paycheck and a pension and all that kind of thing. Chris, how much does money solve some of those fears and the what ifs? I mean, a lot of us came to the financial independence movement because we wanted to feel like we could accumulate enough money so that we wouldn't have things like fear anymore. Mm-hmm. Does that solve your problems? Does the money take care of the fears? Oh, I'm sorry to spoil this, <laughs> but no, and unfortunately it doesn't. I, I thought I thought that was purely like I had built a, a life around a high value of money and a high I just equated money with worth and not just in a net worth type of proposition, but in like a self-worth type of way. So I just assumed more was better and there will be certain benchmarks, like a million dollars. Like there's no way anyone with a million dollars could ever have a problem. Like you will, you know, life will just be amazing. And then one day I had a seven figure net worth and holy crap, I still had problems. I tried to, and I still will, Debbie will help me catch this from time to time. I still try to to try to solve problems with money or thinking that more money will be the answer. I now know that is not the truth. And I just have a lot of years of of maybe not bad habits, but a lot of years of believing that money was the answer to almost all problems. Maybe not every single problem, but man, 99 out of 100 of them could be solved with with money is how I used to believe. Debbie, help me understand then, like, what is the role of personal finance and financial independence? Clearly, it's not solving all our problems. Clearly, it's not reducing our fears to a great extent. On the other hand, all of us would tell you, you need to understand how to invest. You need to understand how to make passive income. Like These are a big part of your platform. And yet what we're saying right now is they weren't solving the problems. What role do we think this kind of financial independence does play? What does it do for us? Yeah, that's a really important question. And before I fully answer that, I just want to say like, look, this is an amazing privilege that we have to even say like, I got to this seven figure net worth and realized, ah, that wasn't the answer to all of my problems, right? Like, and that privilege gives us and gave us some time and space and energy to sort of delve through all of this other stuff we need to work through, right? And so I believe the role is, I think what most of us, all of us are ultimately searching for, this isn't my original idea, this came from Martha Beck, but just this sense of peace and freedom in our lives. So when we ask ourselves like what we really want or how we really want to feel, I think most of us just want to feel a bit of peace and freedom, right? That takes some agency and having financial acuity, like learning how to handle our finances gives us the freedom to make choices with our the hours in our days as we see fit or as is, in my case, healthy for my body versus going to a job that wasn't healthy for my body. So while money may not or is not the answer to all of our problems, it is a foundation that we can build this life of peace and freedom upon, right? And when we don't have that foundation, it's a lot more difficult to design our days in a way that allows for that. And so I I guess the last thing, the other thing I like to say is like, anytime we're searching for answers outside of us, we're probably searching in the wrong place. That doesn't mean that we can't seek financial freedom so that we can build the life that we truly desire. But that does mean that really our our sense of worth and peace and freedom come from an inner place. And there's inner work to do once we get or before or along the way to getting to this place where we feel free with our finances also. Chris, what Debbie's talking about, this inner peace, this freedom, really we're talking about a sense of purpose. 
But she said something interesting before we get to purpose. I want to talk about privilege because like you, I did a lot of this work after I was either close to financial independence or at least had a clear path of what that was. Is this something everyone can do? Or is this something that only people who've got to an economic place like we have, have the ability and the mind space to start working on purpose? Like, when does this happen in our trajectory? Because there's a lot of people who, frankly, may never get to financial independence or anywhere near it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's knowing now what I, what I do know, I do think it is available, though I cannot see on the trajectory of life I was living... I don't see how I would have got there or I would have been a much older person by the time I got there. So thankfully, the the amount of freedom in my days allowed me that privilege of time to start to question and do activities that and meet people that started to tease out that that bigger piece of it. But I think if if you surround yourself with the tools or, or listening to a podcast like this, you will start asking yourself those questions. And yeah, you may not be able to carve out 40 hours a week like I can to work on some of this, this stuff, but you can start to, to answer those questions you know, in, in, in your, your free time or you will find a way to, to create that time. But it is, it is tricky for me to look at the trajectory we were on and if, if Debbie's health issues did not arise and if financial independence didn't start to play a role in our lives, and then me leaving my job, if those things didn't play, sure, I probably would have figured it out. It probably, it might have been after a midlife crisis, <laughs> you know, it might have been in retirement, it might have been in some other places. Thankfully, we have a lot of resources, communities like yours, Doc G, and, and others, good books, good podcasts that uh, if you're on that quest or, or I, I encourage people to to begin to to march onto that quest, even if they're you know years away from financial independence, or if that's a goal they're pursuing. So, Debbie, it sounds like financial independence can be a lever. It sounds like in this case, your health problems were a lever. Let's talk about purpose because I think that's really what the major topic of this conversation is. We both, in a sense, had that privilege of knowing where we were financially before we started working on purpose fully. How do people start earlier? Like finding your purpose itself is a question I get asked all the time. People want to know, well, how do I start looking for my purpose? That's question one. And and the second part of that is how do I do that when I'm not financially independent? Mm. Yeah. So I think retrospectively, I can say like that word purpose is such a like heavy feeling word to so many people, right? That it's almost like, I want to throw that word out the window (laughs) and just say, what are you curious about? And just hold it that lightly and that loosely. And with whatever time and resources and energy you have, could you possibly question that curiosity, tease it out a little bit and just make little steps toward those curiosities that you have. And to me, that's playful and light. And it allows for like some of the mistakes I made along the way that I like really took seriously and beat myself up about. It's like, no, I'm just like playing and having a good time, learning a a bit more about myself and maybe making some progress in, in the meantime. And so that would be like, you know, a step one, I think, just what are you curious about? And then there are some other questions I've learned to ask myself on a fairly regular basis that I think also help with my direction. And one is really getting clear and working towards how I want to feel versus what I want to achieve or attain or acquire right? Those are like these external forms of validation. And so going inward and understanding how I want to feel and that changes like usually for part of the year or most of the year, I'll have the same kinds of feeling words. And then I can base what I do throughout my days or months on those feeling words. I think Chris likes the question, what what makes you feel alive? So those are some some lighter questions that maybe feel a little less heavy than purpose. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I like, because uh, those are, to me, those are very 
easy word, easy way, easier ways to put it than what is your purpose? That sounds like a very loaded, very tough question that you have to spend, you know, years in an ashram to, to find that answer. And, uh, I'm I, for that. I, I, yeah, okay. I, I'm actually very cool. <laughs> I'd be that. fine I'm, with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, however, maybe not everybody can do that. So in, in lieu of that, then yeah, asking yourself those kinds of questions. I also like to, to, ask myself the question of like, what kind of takes me into that flow state, that, that state of where I'm doing this activity that I'm not, I'm not paying attention to the clock. Time just vanishes. Like I'm doing this thing and it just goes by like, wow. And I think, you know, I think whether it's, it's the DNA or whether it's the spiritual encoding that we receive or something, I think we're all programmed with with these these skills and or these curiosities and or these gifts to the world that we have the answers already. It's just we've built a lifetime of listening to other people's voices that start to start to allow us to question those voices or start to allow us to question ourselves and our own authenticity. And so therefore we we start to build these masks and these personas that that maybe aren't really our, our true purpose or aren't really leaning into to that that reason for living. And so so I, I like to play around with with the the big heavy spiritual questions from time to time when I have that, but I don't think you have to really lean into that. I think uh, you know, what are you curious about? What makes you come alive? Um what takes you into that flow state? Those are all great, great ways to kind of keep it light, hold it loose, and you'll you'll I would say whatever answers come up when you ask those as silly and stupid, if that's the only, if you're the, when you write this down, if that's the, if you're the only person that you feel like in the world has written this down, you're probably onto something like that. You are probably dialed into your, your purpose, your Dharma, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I want to talk about spirituality in a moment. One of my favorite questions, however, is uh, dealing with what I would think of as purpose is, when was the last time you woke up in the middle of the night excited about something and you couldn't fall back <laughs> asleep? Like, did you pursue that thing? And it's one of my favorite questions because we all have experienced that of waking up and being so excited about something we couldn't go back to sleep. Yeah. So, Debbie, we're going to take your advice. We're going to transition to these curiosities. We're going to start asking ourselves these questions. What are the big roadblocks that almost everyone hits when they start doing this hard work? Well, we talked about one of them, right? It's fear. And so I think a lot of times we're afraid of other people's perceptions of us. We're afraid of wasting or losing money. We're afraid of just the way that we might appear or look or or making the wrong choice, right? And so I think fear is one. And I think you know, in those times, that's why it's really important to just hold these things loosely, like not take yourself or them too seriously. And things are just lessons along the way, right? We're just like gathering data to learn more about ourselves and why we're here and what does make us come alive or what wakes us up in the middle of the night with that feeling. So I would say that's a big one to get past. I guess some other other things that might get in the way would be like resources or just feeling, I mean, something a lot of people say is like imposter syndrome. So once you finally start to work towards something, Doc, I know you just published a book that can bring up a lot of feelings, or perhaps when you started this podcast, you felt like an imposter of some sort. And so that's almost just like trying something new out to see how it fits and again, holding it really loosely and trying to like put those fears and worries about other people's perceptions in the back of your mind. I think those are two big ones that I hear and see a lot from myself and others. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I love to to just like, so our kids are now teenagers or 12 and 17. So darn close to both being teenagers. But I love to look at like small kids and just how lightly they hold stuff. Like when they want to create something, by God, they create something. They take paper, you know, old toilet paper rolls and they take trash and whatever it is. They can just, they can just, they're not worried about what someone else is going to think or like, oh, what if this isn't the best, biggest hamster tunnel that's ever been created? They, they just hold it so lightly. They're like, I just want to do this thing. It sounds fun. It sounds neat. I'm going to go find the things to make this. And I think anytime we, we lean into that that curious creation that feels like it wants to come out of us. 
it feels like that those are the kinds of things that will wake you up in the middle of the night like oh i want to create this podcast or i want to get people together in nature and and help them to discover themselves you know if you when you have those feelings and it feels real and it feels energetic great and then then the fear will start to come up i have a decent amount of issue with with ego and that's something that i've spent a lot of my post fi life uh working on is as i'm starting to to learn a little bit more about either, I don't know, saying I'm learning more about psychology doesn't mean I'm reading like psychology books by any means, but I'm having more of these types of conversations with other people. And, and I'm learning that ego has, has played a heavy role in my life. And I'm sure it does in everybody's life, but it's, I can, I can recognize where it has done me a disservice and where it's really done me a disservice is I do feel like all eyes are on me. Um, when I'm creating this brand new thing, when all actuality is there are not that many eyes or, or fingers, you know, pointed my direction. But uh, for whatever reason, my ego has, has allowed me to believe I'm, I'm a little more important than I am. So. Yeah. And I guess I would just add that when we're talking about our ego or fear or imposter syndrome, I think what I hear from a lot of people as stumbling blocks or obstacles is time and energy, right? So they'll say like, but I don't have the time or I don't have the energy. And in my opinion, those are like resistance tools we put up to protect ourselves from this fear or our ego. And so I would just advise anyone to really question anything your mind is telling you. And are you just resisting what you feel naturally called to and you want to do? Is there a way to get around these time and energy blocks? For instance, I wrote a book and I had to set aside a few hours a day to work on that book and really get past and over myself saying, I don't have the time and the energy. I'm too busy. I have to take care of my kids. And so we figured out something different four days a week for them to do for breakfast. They rode their bike to swimming lessons and I sat down and I did the work that I felt I was meant to do. So sometimes it's just a matter of questioning the stories we tell ourselves and understanding if we're just creating resistance because we're afraid of doing this other thing. We are talking to Chris and Debbie Emick, who are the co-hosts of the Go Bucket Yourself podcast, and we are discussing living an authentic life. We're going to take a short break. I am Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, Purposeful cockpit-like driving position and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Yo, taking stock, a hospice doctor's advice on financial independence, building wealth, and living a regret-free life has now been out two weeks. Audible has been out one week. I'm getting all sorts of great feedback. If you have read the book, please go to Amazon and leave a review. This is the way people are going to decide whether to buy it or not. I also am going to do an event probably in San Diego in early October, right before the Camp Fi Southwest. So I'm hoping to see some of you there. I've been kicking around the idea of also doing a book launch party in Chicago. I'm wondering if anyone is interested. So if you are interested, please let me know. It has been so exciting to launch Taking Stock to get everybody's feedback. I just got an email from someone who wants to buy books for his residency program in family medicine. 
I'm excited to get this book out to people. If you have a book club and want me to speak at it, I'd be more than happy to zoom in. I'm just so excited that everyone is getting a chance to read this pretty much work that I've spent the last few years doing, mixing my life as a hospice doctor with that of a personal finance blogger and podcaster. And I can't wait to share it with all of you. Now let's get back to the show. Chris and Debbie are the co-hosts of the Go Bucket Yourself podcast, where they, along with their guests, share tales that will inspire you to leap from your ho-hum everyday life into a more purpose-filled and adventurous one. Chris, let's talk about that adventurous life. You guys reference often in your brand this idea of wild self. Tell me what that is and how it relates to being authentic. Yeah, I I kind of use those words, wild and authentic selves, interchangeably. Wild is something a little newer to me. So I probably am touting it both on our website and in our podcast a little more than the other. But I do feel, and and I, I don't know, I love nature. I love the outdoors. I love gardening. I love going out and backpacking for a very long time. I love uh, experiencing the mountains and and nature and, and all of it. And so I've taken so much, so many lessons from nature. And one of those lessons is just as I watch animals be them their wild selves where I watch this oak tree or this pine tree do its oak tree pine tree thing mm-hmm. um, I'm inspired by them because I'm like they're not trying to be anyone else they know exactly what they're they're here to do and they go do it and so I think there's it's just a lesson that I've taken and I'm trying to to toy with that and mold that a little bit to help others to maybe become more in touch with their wild selves or their their natural self or their authentic self. Because I think, again, fear, ego, stories we've been told either by our parents or by our peer groups or whatever of who we are, those can start to jade our, our opinion of that and, and have us losing touch with that that wild self. And I think when we lose touch with that authentic, that wild self, I think we start to feel that dis-ease, which sometimes leads to disease, like in, in Debbie's situation. And I, I think there's a whole bunch of <laughs> wonderful, magical things that, that I've tapped into and I've seen other people tap into when they're able to really discover who they are, you know, at their wild nature. Debbie, let's talk about some of those magical things. On your website, you guys quote John O'Donohue, who uses more ephemeral terms when talking about these things. In that quote, he talks about soul and the rhythm of the universe. Mm. This sounds a lot like spirituality to me. Talk to me about spirituality and kind of the role it plays in what we formerly were calling purpose. Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, For me personally, I think probably for Chris too, like really getting clear about who I am and why I'm here requires going into solitude a little bit, like into stillness and just sinking down into that like energetic feeling, which to me is spirituality, right? So when I'm not just like on my phone or have the TV on or buzzing from one appointment to the next or go, go, going busy, those things kind of take up so much space and energy that you can't hear like these deeper callings of your soul. And yeah, this feels really meta. So, and And so I think for me, like going to solitude and stillness, which may be meditation or journaling or something adventurous like surfing, I found just being near the water, I feel like I can really get in tune with that deeper wild self that I am. I can hear like the guidance of something much more spiritual, much less like pulled by what society or my little microculture here in my community is telling me I need to do or should do or have to do. And I can just get really clear about what my next steps are, what my curiosities are, right? What my path is, um, just in spite of all of those other things and those pulls. Chris, as we have this discussion, I'm drawn back to the name of your platform, and there's a little bit of a of a disease in my mind when I think <laughs> okay. about bucket lists. And I want to I want to talk to you about this a little bit. And I'm I'm thinking a lot about the spirituality we were just talking about. 
I think lots about purpose. I always have. It's part of my platform. It's part of my book. And a lot of people ask me about bucket lists. And I have nothing wrong with bucket lists, right? This idea that there are things we want to do and they're on a list and we can go out and accomplish them and tick them off. That's fine. And I think that can be part of our purpose. But me personally, I always saw purpose more related to a process as opposed to an endpoint. And I always felt like bucket lists were much more about endpoints. Tell me about the name of your platform and does it still fit for you? Or, and, you know, tell me about maybe how I'm thinking about this wrong. No, I, I don't actually think you're thinking about it wrong, Doc G. Um, as I've, as we've, we've transformed through the process of, of doing some of this purpose work, this meaning work. Yeah. There are times where I kind of cringe of like, or I feel like I have to apologize. Like, like, well, I'm asking you what's on your bucket list, but let me, let me, you know, clarify that. I don't mean like, yo, bro, did you climb that mountain? You know, it doesn't need to be always these external achievements. I think it is, it is something, it's a baby step that, that helps us to, to discover who we are and to allow us to give us that freedom to dream. So I like it in that, in that regard of, if you think about this is an important thing I want to do or accomplish before I die, there's probably something either really healthy in, in why you would choose to put that on your bucket list, or possibly there's a reason, a very unhealthy reason. Like maybe you're doing this to, to, to prove to your, you know, your, your father, you never had, or to, to do this, to do, I don't know. I, I think you can learn a lot of those lessons. And I do also agree that not a- accomplishing that thing isn't going to be the the panacea, the, the solution to to those problems. It may give you a North Star to point at, and you will discover on that journey uh, a more beautiful thing than actually accomplishing that goal or reaching that milestone. In my experience, I still actively keep a bucket list. I'm a little less regimented um, now that I don't play with spreadsheets and checkboxes as much in this chapter of life, but I still like to to put those things out there and then just uh, test them, you know, test them of like, this was important to me seven years ago. Is that still important to me? Am I a different person? Have I changed? Is that no longer a goal? And a lot of those things do not hold up water to to when I originally put them on there, but yeah. And I would just add that, Chris is very much like a spreadsheet list type person. And so we've always had this bit of like a difference between us where I'm like, I don't want a list, like a list makes me feel anxious. And so I've never had a bucket list, right? But it does help to gain some clarity about what feels exciting or enthusiastic to you. And those like high energy feelings have a lot of momentum behind them so that if you can perhaps give yourself permission to do some of those like exciting or enthusiastic things, or I think now within your bucket list and a more spiritual perspective, you're viewing yourself as a small part of a bigger whole, right? And so to bring it back to spirituality, your bucket list in quotes now has a lot more to do with your alignment in this, in this bigger universal purpose that you're within now too. Not just like, yeah, like I really killed it on that mountain yesterday. So it's a, maybe a less masculine perspective and a bit more spiritual perspective. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like there's, there are elements on my, like my original bucket lists were simply, I want to climb this mountain. I want to get this level of net worth. I wanted to achieve or become the person that has achieved these, these types of things. Now I have a different category for, for giving. That is something that I've not done well with in my life. I've always been an accumulator and a hoarder of money. And now I'm trying to become more spiritual, more abundant mindset where I've, I'm able to let go of the money. I'm able to give that money away. And so there's, there's now new categories that there, I'm not where I need to, to accomplish some of my higher aspirational giving type of items. Like I, it's going to stretch me to get there, but I'm excited to become the type of person that has the mindset, that has the means, that has the, the desire to, to pour out from a person that is for so long consumed, not necessarily consumed. Like I go out and buy a fancy car, but has, has accumulated wealth and hoarded wealth for myself. And now I want to be uh, the type of person that can, can let go of that wealth and see it multiply and do wonderful things in other people's lives. 
Chris, is there such thing as failure in this paradigm? I, I, I do think that most of my failures, um, given enough space, are just beautiful lessons that help me to understand more and more of, of who I am. So there, is, there, are, there are things on my list or there are dreams that I have that I'm sure I will never accomplish. That's kind of the fun. And and some of it for me is just to put some very ambitious, lofty things out there. But even if I don't quite reach the summit of that peak, the journey there and the, 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 the transitioning, the, the transcendence, the progression that I will have to go through to on that journey is, is the, the magic in, in all of it. Debbie, talk to me about how you both taking this journey has affected your kids. I mean, you've got a 12-year-old and a 17-year-old. They are seeing how you're now approaching life. Tell me about their attitudes towards life and and being authentic. Mm, That's so interesting because we are just right in the midst of that right now, right? And I ultimately now, speaking of purpose, see my purpose as like really doing this deeper healing so that I can be the example to them that they need or that, you you know, I'm here to be. And so in some regards, they're just regular old kids that are just like trying to prove their independence and show their independence and going through similar struggles that I went through. And in other regards, I just see this evolution that's like, you know, I, I take this job seriously to guide them, right? But I am not here to like mold them into something because what I can see coming from them is like so much greater than what I was at their age or could form them into. There's like a a boldness and an understanding, like they're talking about words like boundaries or like passive aggressive things. I had no idea what they were at that time. Very respectful of their bodies and their, you know, just not always looking for this outer sense of worth. And at the same time, teenage kid who also wants to fit in and be loved by her peers. And so, yeah, it's an interesting mix. And I'm learning a lot as I go about my own failures and where I need to do work. And it's a real lesson to me and how to show up as a parent and as a human and where I need to continue doing the work. So, I mean, the greater hope is we just can guide them through our example and not just our words, right? And that's what we're really trying to live out. Chris, it almost comes full circle. I look at the work that I and you sound like you had to do to get back in touch with our authentic self and our sense of purpose. And I wonder if our kids freed and given the permission to be their wild selves as little kids won't have to do the same work that we now struggle with. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I'm fully okay with the fact that I might be paying for some therapy sessions down the road uh, <laughs> because of of my uh, attempt at parenting, which is a little bit different than the, the parenting that I was modeled. But yeah, I do think just like all of us, we are we have this this beauty, this wild self, this authenticity within us, and I try to stay aware of when I I exhibit the behaviors that I'm actually saying that I'm kind of against where I'm like, uh, I remember when my oldest was very young and I just thought, okay, money's important, career's important, the all of that. And I just wanted her to basically mold her into a tiny little engineer like me. Like I just wanted to push math on her. I wanted to always give her examples of how software engineers do this, these wonderful things and give her all these opportunities to become a software engineer. And then I'm, I'm now at a place where that's not it. Like I, I, that's not what I, I believe to be true. Like I am, like Debbie said, her guide. And while in some ways I will light the torch and, and, and guide her through some stuff by modeling what I know how I'm also trying to be very open with her along the way. Like this is who I am as a collection of experiences and problems And what I'm trying to work through right now, I'm trying to do my best, but I know that I'm falling short in some areas. And I hope that you can take my guidance, 
knowing that as love, but you can also let go of anything that I hold important and let go and let that be just mine. And if that's not yours, then you just let it go and move past that. And so I'm excited to, to see uh, this experiment, how this experiment plays out. Maybe it, maybe it works out very similar to what we, we hope it does, but maybe it, uh, maybe it does not. And as you were saying, Doc G, it's kind of just like ultimate acceptance of their true nature and their wild selves. So for example, our youngest is homeschooled and she has so much time to just be curious and question and explore animals, which is her main curiosity and possibly one of her purposes here. And so I think we can see that play out, you know, in time now with her, where she just has time and energy to explore things that she is curious about and energetic about and see where that plays out and just being really comfortable being themselves and true to themselves. So sounds like you're working through that with your son too. Most definitely. And I think I'm working through it with myself and with my kids and and with our family in general. And I think you know, what I'm getting from this conversation is this is the work of our lives. We use these weighty terms like purpose. I use the terms identity and connections. But I think we also have the permission to talk about things that don't feel as weighty, like curiosity and our wild selves and authenticity and asking those important questions whose answers can help guide us before I ask you how people can reach out to you if they want to learn more, let's talk about your platform. Two big things I want to just mention. One is the Go Bucket Yourself podcast, and the other is an upcoming retreat. Tell us a little bit about the Go Bucket Yourself podcast. Yeah, so the Go Bucket Yourself podcast was sort of an answer to this question of what Chris might step toward when he left his W-2 job. And it's been a real gift being able to uh, talk to people, connect with people that we are personally interested in. And hopefully it helps the larger whole to hear those conversations as well. And we also work through some ideas, concepts, books, things we're fleshing out personally, individually, and as a couple. And we have some episodes where we, we talk about those kinds of things. So yeah, it's grown into something really fun and that we continue to learn from and also make fabulous connections with other people. From and you you Bucket. guys are planning a retreat, is that right? Well, yes, we are planning a retreat that has been postponed for various reasons. I think until the following year, we just have not updated that yet. So the retreat itself, the idea was it was going to have it in uh, in fall, the fall here in Colorado making a slight pivot, still going to do something It's at that time, but uh, it'll look a little bit different. But yeah, my, my, whole, my whole North Star right now is I do, I do see the power in how the outdoors, nature and adventure, how those have uh, played a heavy role in my transition and in my growth. And I've had the privilege to, to take people with me on some of these experiences. And I just see just see the, the, the wonderful things that have happened in those experiences. And so that's, that's really kind of where we want to go with Go Bucky Yourself is to continue to create those opportunities for people to get together in nature and really touch on, you know, the, 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 the main topics of, of like growth in some way, but combining that with the adventure and the peace and the freedom and everything. And so we've got some ideas. It's still very new to us. Um, we're going to be playing around with that for a bit, but yeah, that's what, uh, that's what we're going to be doing in the, in the real life. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is an adventure retreat that may also have some luxury where people can get clear about their own guidance and design their life. And we talk about nature and adventure a lot because we find uh, it to be almost like a meditative practice, right? When you're out in nature, you're observing nature, you're less worried about the past or the worries of the future. And you're just very present in the moment to get your own spiritual clarity to make steps forward in your life. So that's where those words come from. And Chris, if people want to reach out to you, want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'd say go to gobucketyourself.com. You can find the Go Bucket Yourself podcast on 
any of your players. And yeah, if you want to reach out to me directly, my Instagram is at bucket yourself, a guy that got his dog to stand on buckets has go bucket yourself on the Instagram, unfortunately, but I'm just at bucket yourself. And I'm at imperfectprogress.me on Instagram. I'd love to have a chat with you if you want to chat with me. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Chris and Debbie Emick. That's a wrap. Awesome. So I leave things running just for a few minutes um, to continue the discussion. Thank you. This was a, a wonderful discussion. I feel like we touched on some things that were very much a part of your platform, but things people don't often hear. Um, so I, I thought it was really fun. Thank you. Totally Thanks agree. for the good questions. I can't wait to talk to you soon on our podcast about your book. How's that going? It's going good, you know, so this is t- tomorrow will be or today was a full week. It's been out. It's been yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did all sorts of stuff to help promote it. And I'm still doing those things today. Actually, the audible version came out and I haven't even heard it yet. They never they, they're supposed to give me a code so I can listen <laughs> yeah. to my own recording. And I haven't. But Vicky Robin read her forward for it. Um, oh, nice. So I'm really, really excited. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, a vulnerable thing, though. As you know, right? You've put a book out. It's like you spend two years or whatever it is putting everything into this to try to get it where it needs to be. And then you put it out in the world and, you know, yeah. it kind of flies and doesn't fly and has good days and has bad <laughs> days. And, right. you know, Chris, you were talking about ego. You know, there's no way not to have your ego involved in some of this. Like, right. I feel like I've done a good job in most of my life of separating my ego. But no, I mean, it's it's it, some of it at some point you look at it and say, people buy this. I'm good. People don't yeah. buy this. I'm bad. Exactly. You try not to feel that. But it it's just life. Right. We're human. Like, I'm human. Yeah. I have these very human feelings, even if I like to deny them sometimes. So, yeah. And people are asking a lot. Right. How's the book doing? how's the book selling so it just brings that up but you controlled what you could of it you put it there being very well loved and promoted um and so that's what you can control so good for you congratulations Uh, and then some of it is also putting out in the world right so ultimately you try as hard as you can to have a big splash in the beginning and that goes so far and then what you hope is that people read it like oh this would be great for so and so and send it to them or tell them they have to buy it like that's when you hit that inflection point where it either becomes a book that peters out and in a year or two, no one knows anything about it or that kind of continues or slowly rises as people suggest it to each other and those kind of things. And so, you know, my hope upon hope is it does that second thing where people are like, oh, like this would be really good for someone and send it to a few friends and 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 kind of remains relevant as opposed to disappears into the oblivion. But ultimately, I can't control much of that either. <laughs> I know. You know I did the best I could. So, but, but it, it's, I'm, I'm deeply proud of doing it and of going through the process. And this is something that, that I'm proud of creating. So awesome.